Good morning, class. Welcome to the Art Eater podcast. We're up to uh, uh, num- uh, podcast number 12. Yeah, we've got a, got a solid dozen podcasts under our belt at the end of today. Um, yeah, thank you for joining us. Um, once again, we uh, I'm your host, Richmond. I'm here with my buddy, Sean, and our special guest, uh, James. Uh, yeah, I'm back again. It's a pleasure. Yes, we are excited to have you back. Um, so last time we talked about the original Guilty Gear. Um, if you haven't given that a listen yet, uh, go ahead, boot that up first. Uh, we talked about just what a big deal that game was, this original fighting game dropping out of nowhere and just how fresh uh, it felt at the time. Uh, today we're going to talk about the sequel, uh, Guilty Gear X, and um, just get into... Again, what a what an amazing uh, game that was, and just how much it shook things up when it came out. Um, so yeah, let's let's just uh, jump right into it. Um, let's see, Guilty Gear X. Uh, so first, I'll give you some context. Uh, the original Guilty Gear came out in 1998. Um, you know that that was a very golden era for for fighting games, and it was an era dominated by uh, Capcom and SNK when it came to 2D games. Uh, the 2D games were still standard, still going super strong. And uh, Guilty Gear, you know, came out of nowhere, original fighting game, uh, totally different play style. And uh, yeah, it, it really established itself and all without arcade presence. So that was in 1998, two years later. Um, so the first game was a hit and then Sammy went to Team Neoblood and said that they wanted to uh, produce the sequel. Uh, so, um, Guilty Gear X came out two years later in the year 2000. It was released in July for arcades on uh, on the uh, Sega Naomi Wave? board. Yeah, was it was it the Naomi board or the Atomus Wave? It was the Naomi. It was the Naomi board. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to say it was the. Yeah. Um, and um, oh my gosh, I remember being so pumped for that game because it, it was the uh, it was the first mainstream uh, high-res 2D fighting game. So it was the first high-resolution fighting game by uh, a major uh, developer. Um, and th- this was a big deal, because ju- just to give you a point of comparison, uh, the first Guilty Gear uh, ran at, um, I want to say it was like maybe three, 320 by 224, which was, um, you know, that's smaller than like a, yeah, a thumbnail, <laughs> like a photo that you take now. But uh, back then, that was actually higher than uh, a lot of uh, PS1 games. Like uh, PS1 games, some of them only ran at like 256 uh, by 224. You know, uh, these were like super low-res games. Um, Guilty Gear was at, uh, yeah, 322.24. And it looked really clean at the time, especially on a proper CRT. Um, And then Guilty Gear X uh, bumped things up. It was four times uh, the resolution to uh, 640 by 480. Uh, this meant that um, even if you played it on a computer monitor at the time, it just looked super crisp. It looked so nice. Um, it's worth it's worth noting it for a lot of people that up until like really only the last maybe five to eight years, has it been common for games to use such high resolution graphics as they are today? The like We're talking about like how small this is, but even when... Uh, like when we in Richmond were working on stuff, like having something be like 640 by 480 something was a massive asset size. Like most gaming platforms for the longest time just didn't have the memory to to have actually high resolution graphics in the way that they, the way that the monitors and the way that the boards displayed them, it didn't need to. So yep. uh, even though these these like don't sound that big, like uh, it isn't like very very recently that 
game engines have been able to do like pings and you know all the polygons and triangles you want and all the whatever so like we really ramped very quickly into an era of gaming where that stuff didn't matter but for most of the the length of gaming it's it's been managing the resources on a system has been a big big deal so yeah do you, do you guys remember first setting eyes on guilty gear x like uh, what was your first impression? oh man i i can i can tell you uh you know firsthand so i i actually played this on the dreamcast um and a buddy of mine who i went to community college with he knew i was really big into like art and anime and fighting games and he was just like dude i gotta i gotta show you this man like um happy birthday basically and he showed me the game and i remember just being totally like just crushed by how beautiful it was because (laughs) like at the time from from what i can remember the only thing that really caught my eye in terms of a fighting game looking like an anime movie was street fighter 3 and you know when that came out that was a massive deal i'm not even talking about third strike just new gen new gen to me when i walked up to it i was like dude i am playing an anime movie it's not going to get better than this there's no way and then i'm sitting at home and I'm seeing Guilty Gear X, and I'm sitting here like, dude, this is this is an anime. Like, Street Fighter is over. Like, I don't know what to do. And I mean, it wasn't like I hated Street Fighter 3 because of this. It was more just, I had never thought that something could actually, you know, supersede the visual splendor that was Third Strike. So looking at it, it was just like, oh my god. Like, I didn't even care about learning how to play the game right away. Like, I was just like, I just want to look at every move. I want to look at every animation. I want to look at every attack and just absorb that this is possible on a, on a console at all. Um, and, you know, we, we talked a lot about, like, the confidence in, like, certain gestures and poses with, like, soul. And it was just like, these things were taken to, like, the umph degree in, in Guilty Gear X and with more visual clarity and even more confidence within, like, uh, the UI, like there's so many things that were starting to happen uh, with Guilty Gear X where, you know, Guilty Gear was already cool, but it was like X ticket to a, to a degree that almost felt like you were dreaming about it. Like it was almost like you woke up like, yo man, I saw like, I had a dream there was like a new version of Guilty Gear and it looked straight up like an anime. Like that's what that felt like, you know? It was just like, oh, that's cool, but that'll never happen kind of thing. And that's, that's, that's really how I felt about X. Um, I mean, I could tell you about, like, the first time I saw the character select screen, the first time I saw the transition into the versus screen. Like, these were all things where, you know, remember, like, Third Strike was probably the most pronounced in terms of graphic design for me at the time. I know a lot of people loved Alpha 3 for its UI and interface, and I did, uh, but I didn't like the game as much at the time. So, like, I liked it for what it was, but when I saw the presentation here, it really grabbed me. Uh, I mean, even, I mean, anybody who knows me, man, I love, like, Japangrish, you know, stuff like, are you ready? It's cool. Let's have a great show time. <laughs> like, yeah. that's one of the coolest, like, sensical but nonsensical sayings before the fight starts. Like, because when, you know, as a character, like, there's, like, a specific type of transition after you, like, you know, it's, it's like coming stage. So they show you the stage. They got vertical and horizontal orientation going on. And then they've got this circular, like, uh like ticker basically and it literally says are you ready it's cool let's have a great show time and they also did another voice modulation because you know when it says heaven or hell it sounds like the devil is like 
passing you a freaking joint in uh, regular Guilty Gear. But in this, they took it to, like, a more subtle, like, chill kind of, like, his voice is still, like, modulated, but he's like, are you ready? It's cool. You know, let's have a great showtime. And you're just, it just puts you in this vibe of, like, this is not Guilty Gear. This is Guilty Gear X. Everything is better. Like, it just tells you that from, like, the beginning. And uh, I just remember being super excited to hit buttons, like, <laughs> at that screen for the first time. Like, because I didn't even have my Agitech stick at the time. I think I was using, like, the, 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 the pad, which I couldn't stand for fighting games. But it looked so pretty that I didn't care. But uh, it also says good luck before you fight. I, I think that's, like, a very encouraging thing. It's very simple <laughs> and subtle. But uh, given the... And I won't go into it just yet, but given the new gameplay aspects, I, it, it was fitting for the game to tell you good luck. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, Sean, do you do you remember your uh, first impressions of uh, Gear uh, X? Yeah, I do. And actually, uh, my my first experience was also on a Dreamcast. Uh, but uh, the way that it happened was uh, one of my friends in high school had just gotten the Dreamcast. And uh, there'll be a bit of a story here. And he actually, he had gotten a few games, a couple from Japan, actually. Because, like, at the time that this happened, Dreamcast was not big in America at all. Um, yep. And uh, he had, he had, what, what I actually came over to his house to play was Sonic Adventure, which uh, at the time <laughs> blew my mind with how good it looked. Um, and he also had, I forget the name of it off the top of my head, but the Berserk game he had. Oh, uh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sort of berserk. Excellent, yeah, very underrated. And Yus so, is so a very underrated developer. Okay, go on, go on. Oh, for sure, yeah. So I, I went over to play those games, and they were sitting there with his pile of you know games he had gotten from Japan and otherwise. And I was like, oh, what's this this one? You know, and he's like, oh, that's that's Guilty Gear X. I was like, oh, Guilty Gear. I didn't know. Let's play that. So anyway, the the end of the story is we we played all day that we didn't play Sonic or Berserk. <laughs> oh man, we didn't even touch the other games. Uh. Uh, although we did, we did uh, at a later date play those because those games are awesome as well. Um, yeah. But I, as you probably um, assume from my knowledge from the previous uh, podcast, this is my favorite Guilty Gear game, um, at least like uh, that I have the the best memories of. But yeah, there's there's something uh, about it that uh, for me, like uh, the the advance actually in the menu designs and the interface is what uh, what kind of really hooked me is like. If you compare this to the original one, has kind of a pretty straightforward Street Fighter style uh, screen, and this is really the the entry point into some of the most insane character select screens I've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so, like this yeah. isn't even their most insane design by far, but it was the first one where they had like they had like a lot of graphical lines, like they had a lot of like overlapping stuff. Like that was a really stylish thing to do. Um, I use the word stylish because I, I don't know how to describe what I mean by like it. And I think this is the one that really lifted the the rock feel up even more. Like there's so much more overt um, references to the kind of the rock influences um, in this in this particular game. And also to, to say this has some of my favorite characters in it. Not that I don't uh, love most of the characters, but uh, having the characters like Johnny uh, is uh, one of the characters I enjoy. I enjoy Venom quite a bit. Um, this might be one of my favorite iterations of May as well in this game. And this, I, I feel like this is the one like they they to uh, James' point with like it really feeling like they they finally like fully animate it. Like the, to me the especially the stages they 
Like, oh, if you look gosh. back at the, the original Guilty Gear stages, uh, they look good, but this one, they, like, they really nail it. And I think even uh, even other ones, there's a couple ones that have, like, three, they started to integrate 3D animation into the background, but mm-hmm. <clears throat> there's a certain level of dimensionality that they achieved in this game uh, that uh, I is, is still some of my favorite in terms of the way that the game looks. There's a lot of, uh, you know, hold my beer types of parallax uh, work on the the backgrounds in, in in Guilty Gear X that again you know it, it, it just it's it's so much more immersive uh, and and you know to some people it's like oh it's just the background but uh, when it feels lived in when it feels and this is before I think ambient lighting was like a thing with integrating sprites with uh, backgrounds but you still felt this idea of the fidelity was correct where it still felt like the characters matched uh, in all of the backgrounds to a point that it still felt immersive without going that extra, extra mile that no one was doing yet. Because, uh, again, I mean, Guilty Gear X was already ahead of the curve visually anyway. Um, but, yeah, well, I, like the... I have a quick bit of trivia there. The uh, little-known fighting game, Adaraku Tenshi, the Fallen Angels, I believe that was the first 2D game to start doing things like adjusting palettes per stage and doing a, a pseudo rim lighting stuff like that um but yeah, yeah this stuff was like that was not common back then um you know, yeah the uh, 2d games with like any kind of uh uh dynamic lighting was uh well for fighting games it was not 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 common at all yeah but even without that like it's still like guilty gear still felt immersive enough that you you, you didn't really have to consider it it was just yeah. like yeah yeah like I accept this. They are here. They are fighting in the depths of hell. There is a big muscle-bound demon with chains all over him. And yes, yeah. they're there. That's you such know? a great stage. Yeah. Like, really iconic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the one thing that uh, really um, stuck out to me um, was not only was it like an evolution of, uh, you know, the overall aesthetic of Guilty Gear... But there was still this very uh, distinct sort of cohesion where it was like, yes, like you can read and absorb everything you need to the way you would a Street Fighter game. But the the visual presence is taken taken up a notch where it it, it almost made you look at Street Fighter like, what are you doing? Like, hey, Aww. guys, uh, you know, and not to be mean, because, I mean, I love Street Fighter. Don't get me wrong. It just it was so much like of a jump in in terms of uh quality that it's like i wasn't ready for it the same way i wasn't ready for guilty gear when it first came out i was not ready for x like i was just like i was like i love street fighter but man this is so cool like i love both of you guys like i just i'm so excited for games to look like my favorite japanese anime like i'm so excited for and this was before like blaze blue was even a thing like this was just you know, by itself out here, and it was just like Third Strike and Guilty Gear X were like the most beautiful fighting games at the time for me, and I spent a lot of time with Guilty Gear. Um, oh yeah, I mean, I I think they still are like two of the most uh, beautiful uh, games in general ever made. Oh for sure. I, yeah. I would take Guilty Gear X over even uh, Blaze Blue just for the the art direction, the character design, and just the the cohesion. You know, um, like this sense, like you were saying, of a lived-in world. It it, it felt like the stages aren't just decorative they're immersive like you, you feel yep. like you're really a part of this world so but, but, like i don't know if we want to dive all the way into the stages but one thing that i really like about the stages in guilty gear x is they have 
a weird type of forced perspective on them because they're uh, the characters' um, scale is zoomed in enough. But if you pay attention to them, they, they almost feel uh, like not not that they wrap around you, but uh, they I think they feel a certain scene because if you pay attention to them, I think it's especially visible on like axle stage and stuff like that, where the as it goes upwards into the uh, into the sky, like it actually forces um, the perspective around the edges down towards you. Um, it's a it's a pretty interesting uh, uh, I'd say like a pretty interesting technique that I haven't seen in a lot of games, but it worked yeah. to me it works really well to add the exaggeration of how you fit into the stage. I yeah, think, I think um, Dudley's God. stage in Third Strike yes. Yes. has this as well. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah of, if you were uh, on the same, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot of Capcom games do have it, but uh, Guilty Gear, um, you spend so much time air comboing people that uh, you, you get to actually take in like the, the, the verticality of the stages. Um, you know, in Capcom games, it was like just in case, you know, someone does a super jump or like a particular super that launches them. But yeah. in Guilty Gear, you're going to spend a lot of time up there uh, when, when you're playing. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a lot more prominent in Guilty Gear, yeah, for for that exact reason. Like you're you're gonna be in the air so much. I think like yeah. there's only a few supers in Third Strike that actually really had you up there for like at least a full second. Like Hugo, Dudley, uh, maybe twelve. Like there's only a few characters that really went that high in the air, so you know you didn't really see it. But in Guilty Gear, you really get to absorb and take in like how that really feels when you're up there, especially with the uh, the way that dust. Uh, mechanic worked because the camera would zoom in on you too you know mm -hmm. and like you'd still see enough of the background where you could really absorb the fact that man i'm really high in the air and you felt that you know um this game did a lot of things like super well man um you know and 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 the other thing more notably was that again outside of the visual aspect of guilty gear this was when they really started to uh you know hone in on the actual gameplay to a point that it brought something completely new to uh, fighting games that didn't exist. Um, All right. Yeah, let's dig into that. Okay, so I'm, I'm no expert on the gameplay. I, I could talk about the animation, the art direction. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, as far as this game goes, I just know it's really fun to mash buttons. And to its credit, it's very intuitive, too. Like, I, I can't... I, oh, I, I instinctively understand, like, how the system works, but I couldn't describe it to you. Isn't, so, this, yeah. isn't this when they added Rome cancels, too? Yes, I was going to bring that up, but I think there's something else that needs to be discussed before we oh, yeah? go into Roman canceling. Okay. Uh, sometimes when it comes to fighting games and not just uh, something that feels cool to do, but in terms of accessibility and how that can stem towards like further exploration, um, there's a specific mechanic in Guilty Gear and it's called the Gatling system. And I remember when I first saw this thing, I was like, oh, this is just a new word for chain combos, whatever. I play fighting games. I know what this is. Okay, I understand so... the progression of it. <laughs> but... Yeah, yeah. I, you there's... know, I had always assumed that it was just their term for, for chain combos. Yeah. You know, which, it... uh, just real quick for, for some listeners, chain combos are when you uh, press some normal attacks in sequence and they chain, which is... Um, you know, like, not the norm for a lot of 2D games. It's very much uh, the standard for 3D fighters, but um, for for 2D games, uh, it, it was even controversial for, for some games. Oh, yeah. And there were, there were people that had a lot of issues with Alpha 1 because of that. Um, yeah. And it's part of the reason why Guy and Gen are the only people that have it in Alpha 2. 
because uh, it was a big issue of like you know this is a this is a fighting game about zoning spacing and strategy and now it's like i'm getting touched like several times into a super i don't know how i feel about this but i mean but but to, to, to stay on track here yeah. um you know the gatling system you know when i first looked at it i didn't think much of it i was like okay this is just how i do combos and you know when i learned more about the game i learned other things to do but the thing about gatling is that there's something specifically intuitive about being able to string together buttons in a game where the animation is so cool and so interesting and on a casual level is a very useful tactic um and i feel like because the difference between the chain combos and like street fighter was that there was still a specific a particular type of timing that was necessary for you to land them, even though there was like some latency that you could kind of play around with. But for a casual player, the timing for it was still relatively strict. Whereas in Guilty Gear, like you're doing punch, kick, slash, heavy slash, you know, dust if you're, you know, if you know about it, like low dust, I guess. But the other thing that was interesting was that you could rapid fire link uh, five crouching punches. Uh, for somebody who doesn't really know the game, it was a way for you to get used to the timing of, okay, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm pushing these buttons and I'm getting hits. Okay, that's cool. But then after a couple of hours, it's like, wait a minute, okay. I kind of get, like, the, these punches are pushing me back a little bit. So, yeah, I could do five hits, but what else can I do? Maybe I, I could put a kick in here instead of four punches. If I do a kick, let me see if slash works. And you kind of just have this progressive understanding of, okay, this game has a particular tempo and speed in terms of how I put my inputs in. And then, of course, you move into more advanced things if you so choose. Um, but if you didn't, you still had a fun experience because you were doing something. And I think that's what really set this game apart in terms of uh, people touching it for the first time, not knowing what the hell Guilty Gear is, uh, but still having this feeling of, hey, man, I'm doing something great. It's just like when you play like a beat-em-up. You're just pushing the same punch, but the, the, the animations are altered, you know, they're different. So it yeah. still looks cool, right? So it's like a similar yeah. sort of feel. Uh, you know, there's more depth in, in other things, but you could just stay right on Front Street and be okay because it's like, this game is cool. <laughs> I'm doing something that looks cool. My character looks cool. I'm having a good time, right? So the other thing about that, though, is that from the Gatling system they introduce something called roaming canceling. Now, when I first heard about roaming canceling, it's it's interesting, because again, I'm, I'm, I'm a Street Fighter player, so when you play Street Fighter, there's certain things that you do and there's certain things that you don't do. Sometimes when you make a hard read because you're trying to like outplay your opponent, it works out, you look like a god, right? It's great. Mm. But when that doesn't happen, you look like a fool. And there's a certain type of like, competitive feeling where your heart sinks you're like oh my god why did i do a wake up dragon punch jesus he's gonna punch the hell out of me and i would always think to myself in tournaments mind you like man what if there was a way where i could cancel out in that split second my decision because it was wrong and i could just like be at a state where like it didn't happen mm. like oh man i would i would still have like 40 percent health you know like i'd still be in good standing with my opponent like, that would be so cool. But I didn't know how to articulate it. So I never spoke to anybody about it. It was just kind of like a, a thought of like, man, I wish I could take back that bad decision. Yeah. So roaming canceling introduces that where 
if you're doing well it introduces a lot of things but this is the one thing that I, there was my takeaway when i first played it was that man if i make a decision that i don't like i can make myself safe and still be in the game that's really neat and then i started thinking oh shit my opponent can do that too that's scary now i have yeah. to think about more things like but i didn't see it as a terrible thing i saw it as a oh this is like scary in a good way but i'm a masochist i, I like these kinds of like high tense pressure situations in fighting games um so to me i was like wait a minute this is a new like this changes the whole strategy of how uh special moves are used this changes how your combos are set up this changes how you can set your opponent up for more offense pressure like and being a person that loves to rush down i'm like wait i can rush harder in this game like if I really sit down and learn this. So it opened up a whole lot of doors for uh, competitive play, whether you're an offense player, defensive player, someone that likes to control neutral in a very specific creative way. Um, it, it, it opened up a lot of doors. And it again, I mean, that was one of the mechanics where I was like, wait a minute, man, like no other game has this. I need to explore this. Um, ironically enough, uh, Street Fighter developed their own version of it called uh, Focus Dash Canceling. Uh, much later in life, um, you know, and I think King of Fighters had something similar with drive cancels. I'm not really sure, but, uh, you know, it became something that other companies took notice of to say, wait a minute, this affects the development. This affects yeah. the player's experience, uh, being able to take back a decision. Um, cause that's something people have thought about for a long time, especially Street Fighter players where you're like, oh man, that hard read was not good. I'm screwed, you know, like it's, but Guilty Gear takes that to a different level where it's like, no, you can still be in the game and kind of psych your opponent out. Um, That's why it's called the Roman cancel. So I I had never uh, had it explained to me in that way. I I always had um, been told, oh, it's a way to extend combos, right? Like, oh, you you know, you you can link more stuff doing this, which is one of the ways um, Mm -hmm. for it to be used. But uh, the, the most obvious use, and it's worked into the name, is to cancel, you know, to be like, oh, wait, I want to take that back. Like that—that yeah. that is a game changer. I never thought about it that way. As a not not very good complex player, I often use Roman canceling to uh, get out of a whiffed combo. <laughs> I mean, mm. but the, again, that's the idea here is you're giving people tools regardless of the competitive spectrum, right? Where if you're a competitive player, you're gonna you're gonna look under the hood and be under there forever. Whereas like someone else is gonna go, is this a get out of jail free card for me? Sure, I'll use it. Like, you know, it's it's because the thing is, there's no wrong way to go down like a path of how you play or learn a fighting game, you know. So if it's useful to the player, regardless of where they're at, it's a well-designed mechanic. It's it's something that allows the player to say, hey, this is how I think I'm supposed to solve this puzzle. You know, like also uh, for for our listeners, I just realized this. Uh, a, a Roman cancel, and y'all can correct me if, uh, if I mischaracterize this, it, in Guilty Gear, basically what it is is you can hit a, a certain configuration of buttons during a combo, and if you have enough, uh, I forget what resource it is, you have to have enough of the resource. Tension. It'll, tension, okay. Uh, if you have enough of the tension resource, then it allows you to basically cancel the combo where it is and you return to, I think it also slows down the other, the other character or something like that, but basically what it allows you to do is uh, if you have enough resource, uh, cancel right in the middle of a combo um, so that you, like, you know, as all we're talking about. So that's that's effectively what a Roman cancel is. Y'all can correct me if I mischaracterized it. 
No, I think I think I think you're good. Um, I think that the, I'm trying to remember. I think the slowdown aspect came a lot later, uh, and in in other iterations of Guilty Gear, where it affected like the frame data uh, more so okay. on both the player and the opponent. Uh, I definitely recall as as Guilty Gear got better, they they added more information to the Roman cancel, like the color would tell you things, and yes, there were yes. additions to it. I think this is just the game where they introduced it. I don't know if it was as complex. Um, uh, I think I think X was just roaming cancel, not like faultless defense and all the other uh, elements that got introduced a lot later. Um, uh, so for X, the tension gauge was that the same as the super meter? Yep. Okay. Yeah, yeah that was like the uh, the super bar uh, for 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 Guilty Gear. It was just called a tension gauge, and uh, you also got penalized for standing still in that game. Uh, but I think that that came later. I, I have to check. But I think negative penalty to, started to become a thing uh, with the tension meter because you built meter by like hitting your opponent. You built a little by blocking stuff like that. But when it came to standing still or being too defensive, the game started to punish you for that, uh, which is also an interesting uh, mechanic because it it encourages a particular type of fighting where you're fast on your feet and you're thinking a lot more. Uh, not to say the defensive play isn't thoughtful, but I think that they wanted to maintain a particular pace uh, with the games. So they didn't want it to become a standstill of like attrition uh, constantly. Um, you know, they, those elements are always going to be in a fighting game, but they also wanted you to uh, be as anime as possible. Um, they wanted you to, you know, attack and, and be victorious. Uh, and I, I, I like that that was... Uh, an element with with uh, with guilty gear. I feel like at least half of the instant kills have that anime aspect where, like, you know, uh, someone like dashes and there's just like a pause and then things happen. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. Very yeah. anime as well. Very, very, very anime. Um, and I mean, people like people enjoy that kind of feeling, uh, even if you're not like super good at a game. Like, it's, I don't know, like, I mean, for me, like, when I played video games before I got into the competitive, like, structures of them, uh, I was just like, man, I feel like I'm playing a movie or a show or, like, a, oh, yeah. like you know, and, and to me, creating those scenarios, like, like, the coolest things before I got into, like, tournaments and stuff was, like, seeing somebody do a super and then someone else do a super, like, reacting to it. Like, that yeah. to me was like, oh, my God, that was so intense, you know, like, that, that was super cool you know, or ending a match with a super combo. Like, I mean, to this day, I still do it unnecessarily sometimes. Like, I'll dizzy somebody, and I can easily jab them, but because my brain is like, this needs to be amazing, I will do a super on someone. Like, you know, and, and people are like, yo, man, why, do you, why are you like that? And it's like, now I kind of realize, like, it's not because I'm being an asshole. It's because I just want something cool to happen. And I'm, and I'm you know, so it's like... That's natural. You know, it's just a natural thing. It's like, oh, I have super. Let's do it. It looks cool. You know, yeah. um, and I, I feel like Guilty Gear embraces uh, some of those elements uh, for, for for anybody, really, um, especially with how larger than life the game looked. You know, um, it's like Potemkin super. I'm not even, you know, even a Potemkin player. Like, even if I get hit by it, I'm like, man, that is so cool. Like, I'm like, man, I just lost 80% of my health. But man, that really looks cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like man, you have like, you have that moment where you're like oh no but then it immediately turns into like okay well better better might as well enjoy how cool this is yeah like no matter what iteration of, of guilty gear it's like when you get hit by potemkin buster you're like damn that looks really cool 
It's like, it doesn't matter if he killed you 100%. It doesn't matter at all. Like, it's, you know, I'm talking more about Strive, but <laughs> we'll get to that eventually. But, yeah, yeah. Um, like, yeah, even... even a multi-part series, folks. Yeah. Like, even... even yeah, even in uh, in X, like, you know, just seeing Potemkin do moves, like, it was just like, that's amazing. Um, like, this game really uh just drove home like the the possibilities of what can be done with uh visual aesthetics for a fighting game um i mean like i said there were times that i would just turn this on just to look at it um you know because i mean i i still to this day i feel like you know i have a better understanding of street fighter than i do guilty gear but i have a pretty decent understanding of you know a lot of like specific elements um but you know, like people like Dizzy. Like there was no character that looked like Dizzy in any fighting an game. Insane character design. Yeah. You know, like like you, you just look at her and it's just like she's a whole world unto herself. And I mean, ironically, she happened to be like one of the best characters in Guilty Gear. Um, but it's just like just looking at her, you're just like I've never seen a character look like this. I've never seen anything like this before. And again, it introduces you to like a world that's already lived in, it's already established and expands upon it in a way that fighting games really weren't doing at the time. Uh, I mean, Street Fighter 3 had innovative characters like Necro, Gil, Remy, um, in terms of visual presence in 12 and stuff like that. But, you know, Guilty Gear is a very Ishimotati game. It's a very personal game. So the further expansion of that uh you see with these character designs and how different they are and how much they vary and just how they move like there's no there was no other game like it um like x was a very special uh experience and uh you know just just looking at how much work went into that i mean even like testament like um you know his design got like even more uh larger than life in terms of like how moves looked uh how things animated uh you know, it's like that infrastructure and that that core foundation of what Guilty Gear was was just taken, you know, up by like a billion with uh, with X. Uh, it, it's it's a game that, you know, honestly, like it, they literally took everything and said, let's just make it better. Um, and it led to like a huge history that nobody knew was going to happen. Um, you know, it, it's it's like to this day, like X is still like a special it's like I said that about Guilty Gear, but even it's like all of them are special, you know, like all of them have like they bring up certain memories, uh, both competitively and artistically that, you know, it's 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 hard to uh, not like recognize. Yeah, I mean, that that's why auteur games are, are, are special, because it's um, this game was definitely not made by committee. Like like you bring up Dizzy. What a strange character you have. Uh, you know, like at first glance, like this very uh, attractive young woman, uh, but then she's got like a white wing and a black wing, and there's like an angel that lives in one wing, and then not not a devil, but like death, like manifested like in this other black crow wing, like a skeleton, you know. And then uh, on top of that, like she she just has a giant like dragon tail. <laughs> that was a back then. I mean, um, you know, now you could see like crazy stuff every kind of uh fetish you can imagine just logging into you know twitter or whatever but back then this was a wild design like there are people who <laughs> never even thought about like anything like this character yeah like yeah it's almost it's, a moment it's almost it's almost like guilty gear was like 
it was the internet. Like it was just oh, like I'm going to yeah, it's like I'm going to show you all of these things that have existed that you may or may not have known about. And yeah, yeah. it's yeah. it's kind of it's like when you really think about it, it's just like, man, like how how expansive can a fighting game be? And it's just like Guilty Gear shows up and it's like, dude, there's a whole world of, of yeah, things. Just, just for context, uh, especially for, for all the, the younger uh, Zoomers out there, year 2000, uh, broadband wasn't like everywhere, right? Like not everyone owned a computer. Uh, nobody had a cell phone, you know, or, yeah. like not, no, not smartphones. Cell phones were still kind of rare. Man, I remember surfing the internet on a TV using the Dreamcast back then. Yes! Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And like... And, and video was special. Like, if to yeah. download and watch a video was a big deal. And then here was a game that had the fidelity um, of, of anime. Like, uh, you know, there weren't cel-shaded games. Um, y- there were no streaming services. If you wanted to watch anime, like, y- you had to go, you know, rent a video or, or, or spend, like, $40 for an hour's worth of content on, on VHS. Yeah, yeah. Remember, you, you would you would get like an entire anime that was like eight episodes that would take you like two months to get it. <laughs> yeah, or or you bought like a subtitled VHS that had like one episode on it for like thirty two dollars. Like, yeah. you know, and, and like having something that really captured that experience uh, in a game was a big deal yeah. because it was it was unheard of. Yeah, yeah, it was unheard of. And you know? just the the fidelity of it too, because it's it's not just that it it uh, looked like anime. Like we we keep saying, it feels lived in. It, 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 so it wasn't even just like, oh, finally there's a game that's high res and you know has you know, these backgrounds with thousands of colors when only 256 were possible before. It's not even that. It's it's not just that it looked like anime. It, it was its own world, you know, uh, done in this style. But like it had so much personality, like. Uh, I was going to say, uh, especially we're talking about a character like Dizzy. Um, Dizzy is like, we're, we're kind of talking about all the weirdness of her character, but she also like the, the, the way that she animates and a lot of the different things that can happen, they feel um, honestly, I think it was way ahead of its time in that a lot of the stuff she does is actually very similar to uh, one of the characters that was introduced to Heroes of the Storm recently, Orphea, where like she has like a, uh, all, all these are like very similar ideas to having like a stand from Jojo. But like yeah. this this idea where you have like an entity that's part of your character and it has like all these insane animations that are very fluid and yeah uh, move, move in a very like natural but a natural way because they're not real. She was one of the first characters that I remember seeing in a game where uh, like the way that her wings operate and the way that her tail operates like they all they they morph into these shapes so fluidly. It's it's like it's such an insane design that's really believable in the way that they animated it despite the fact that. Uh, it's it seems like on its face a bunch of nonsense. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's actually really dig into this character. Like, what what are all the different influences? Because like, um, if if yeah, I just described her to you. But um, if if you're not familiar with this character, look it up. Look up Dizzy Guilty Gear. Because if I just what I described sounds like a mess, but it somehow works. Yes. Uh, on top of the weirdness, there was the sense. Um, okay, the in-game animations convey so much better. Like, she's not a trained fighter. And you get the sense that her wings are protecting her. Like, each one is sentient. And they're almost like parents uh, watching over her. Uh, they even bicker with each other, you know, in some animations. Right? So so you get a sense that she's actually quite um, innocent. Uh, but, 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 like, 
immensely like powerful. And then, it's not like she's totally passive, but um, there, there's definitely a couple uh, animations she has. Like I think she has a, um, a a finishing animation where one of the wings completely like covers her, like in a protective stance. Um, yeah. And like I said, I, what, what's what's so weird about it is like the uh, even her tail animates differently. Like it can turn into a, a mouth that can uh, attack you and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, she you, you're right. It doesn't seem like it should work together, but it does. Yeah, there's a there's a particular type of a uh, cohesion with uh, not just the the animation, but it, it ties so much into the character that you it's like hearing somebody talk about it is one thing, but to to witness it is is another. I mean, we're not even talking about somebody being really good with the character. We're just talking about people walking back and forth, blocking. Yeah. Uh, taunting or even losing like there's specific animations that tell an entire story of a character without words in, in a lot of cases and for that to be so well thought out and this is one character we're talking about is one um yeah it really sets apart the idea of just how uh special the the, the craftsmanship is uh in terms of uh, how they approached animating uh any character in Guilty Gear. I mean, you know, we're talking about Dizzy, but I mean, even with Biken, it's like when you look at Biken's dashing animation or her run animation, you can't help but think that a Yutaka Nakamura fight is about to happen. You know, like it's it's a it's a very like specific approach with each character in terms of uh, how their moves animate, the personality, uh, and, and we're talking about stuff that's really subtle too, like. You know, we're not even talking about attacks in some cases. Even jumping forwards or backwards or straight up, it's like there's things that happen that are uh, specific with every character. And, uh, you know, when you have something like that, um, you can't help but just gawk at it and, and, and absorb and swallow the depth of it. Um, I, I don't uh, I don't mean to, to bring in an, an outside conversation that uh, me and Richmond were having offline, but it, it really, like, just triggered me, which is... Uh, We'll probably do another episode at some point about this, but I was talking to him about how um, a lot of these new like character uh, shooter games, uh, like they, they have character designs that just don't seem to land for me. Like mm. uh, le- like basically like um, you know games like uh, Battleborn or Valorant or Apex Legends, which have perfectly fine characters, but there's something about them that doesn't like didn't ne- like just doesn't quite feel good to me. Like they don't quite land. And in talking about this, I'm, I'm realizing that a lot of it is like all these all these characters in games like Guilty Gear feel super distinct, and it's not and it's because of uh, how like everything about them really tells you about the character. It isn't just it isn't just like um, not to throw you know shooters under the bus, but we, all these characters can have a gun and they hold the gun the same way, and like they might move a little bit differently, but they don't fundamentally feel different. Whereas uh, in Guilty Gear, uh, and especially games like it, like the entire cast feels so unique because every every character tells you so much about them, whether the way they move and play, uh, and even the way they jump and like react to getting hit and stuff like that. Um, to, to your point, the author of it, like there, these character designs had op- opinions behind them. I, I feel like there's like specific, and it's almost like uh, there's specific animation directors for specific characters, and they all, if if that were the case, right? Like they all worked to say, hey, we are expressing particular sentiments with these characters, and we want these things to feel a certain way. And there was like almost like someone checked through to make sure that there was nothing that was necessarily repeated in terms of feel, not necessarily like exact keyframes or anything, but just in terms of feel. 
you know, you know, you look at someone like Anji. You know, we're, we went from talking about Dizzy to like Biken, and you you think about somebody like Anji, and it's like they're so different, and that's the way that characters are supposed to feel. Like they're supposed to. It, it's an immersive world, but like these characters have their own ideologies, there's experiences that they've had before they've met swords, so to speak. You know, and and now you're at this point where they're they're confronting each other. Uh, there's a lot of different expressions that are going to happen in like their movements. And I feel like with guilty gear, uh, it was, it was as if like, you know, Kai had their own animation director, jam had their own animation director and they created this visual language that without words, you just absorb with your eyes and you see it. Um, you know, it's, it's like you look at, I mean, even like the hand gestures between Kai and jam, you know, someone could say, oh, well, then, you know, they seem a little similar, but the more that you look at them, you understand that, like, you know, Jam's pose, Kai's pose says so much about them. Um, it says so much about who they are, where they come from, uh, you know, what, what, how you think they would talk or how you think they would handle a situation. You have those kinds of things that are just screaming out at you. Um, you can't help but enjoy just how, like, immersive this world is. It just makes everything great. I mean, Jam stage has like an old man with like I'm assuming like its granddaughter and it just looks like they're bonding with each other and even though it's like character animation so it's more limited you still get some idea of a story that's going on before you know uh, despite happened you know it, it, there's there's something about this game where it feels like they approached it almost like a TV show but it's a fighting game <laughs> you know it, it's it, I, it's I, interesting yeah. you're you're mentioning uh, all this stuff, and it feels like a pretty realistic game. But then we were talking about like Dizzy, and I'm remembering that <laughs> like most of Milia's moveset is she attacks with her hair. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. And I, I'm realizing I didn't even find it unbelievable. I was just like, okay, yeah, no. totally makes sense. Yeah. We, um, we we talked about this a little bit in the last podcast. The the whole cast of Guilty Gear, they're all pretty strange. Like. Um, Really, none of them dig too deep into any existing stereotype or archetype. Like, you know, you know that whole thing about like, oh, describe a character without um, having to resort to their their occupation, right? Like, what words can you yeah. use? Like, like, um, oh my gosh, like Guilty Gear, you can't just say like, oh, that's the karate guy, uh, that's the, uh, <laughs> you know, that's the police officer, or whatever. Like, but you get them right away, like. They're very yeah. strange, but you get their personality straight away. Well, well, so like for instance, uh, you, you know, like I believe in the story, Jam is actually a chef, uh, yeah. and on her stage, uh, as well as like the the grandfather and the daughter that are in the corner, I think there's like a ramen booth or something, right, in the back. There's one in the middle. Yeah, there's some yeah. sort of restaurant. Yeah, she runs a Chinese restaurant, I think, right? Like she she's a very Chinese themed character. Um, I will say, I think she might have been based off of um, uh, the Chinese character from Warzard, actually. Um, what was her name? Oh, you know what? I think you might be right, man. I think, uh, I was think, it Mei Ling? Mei Ling. She, yeah, she has a similar stance and very uh, kick-heavy and, and, and a very flamboyant, kind of almost like a, a Beijing opera-like Song Wukong kind of stance. Oh, up on yeah, one yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I that actually wow, I didn't even think of that. But the, it makes a lot of sense though, just in terms of the the the, the feel of of that character. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I didn't even think of that 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 correlation. Uh, Mei Ling was one of my favorite designs from uh, 
from Warzone. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, I, okay, I we got like super cool. So cool. Yeah, we we that that's a whole other podcast there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, man, uh, we could, yeah. yeah, we could we could really talk about that a lot. But but again, this this goes back to the individuality of uh, yeah characters expression in, in in guilty gear and and you feel it not just in their static designs but even when they move um you know there's just like a it's it's a it, it further reiterates the world that's already been established and you just you subconsciously absorb all of it like you don't even think about it you don't question it like just like what sean was saying before uh it's like you don't question it like you're just like yeah this is this is the world that that they've created and, and it's confident enough for me to understand and take this in as as, as fictional fact, if, if that's a way I can, <laughs> you know, I can, I can put it. Um, and I and I and I really admire that uh, X really again, like X was like the we got a chance to further, uh, you know, take this, and they did it so well. Um, it's like from beginning to end. And I mean, there's like there's almost like this cordial sort of introduction to it too. Uh, and there's like a cordial closing to it because when you beat the game, you know, it, it gives you a game over screen, but it says like, see you again. Um, you know, it's 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 a very like sort of inviting uh, closure where, yes, you've concluded like arcade mode or event mode or whatever. But, you know, the game encourages you to come back because there might be something that you missed. Uh, you know, there's so much depth in terms of like the, the background, the characters, the music, the you know, the references to things and homages, like it, it's, it's so much there that, um, you know, the game encourages you to, you know, to, to revisit it or to come back to it or to look for a new iteration, even, you know, the optimism yeah. of this game is like, you know, it's, it's, it's so, it's, it's a beautiful, it's a very youthful sort of like optimism where it's just like, yeah, we made this great game and we busted our butts doing it, but we, we're willing to do it again. You know, we're willing to make another one. We're willing to, to further extend, uh, you know, our, our talents in, in various ways. And, uh, you know, again, this comes from like a, a very personal experience. Like you were saying before, this, this, this game was definitely not made by a committee. Uh, it definitely was not like, Oh, well, you know, this is popular. So we should make the character archetype like this. It was just, no, these are the characters. This is the world that they live in. We're being true to the world and true to, uh, Ishiwatari's vision. And, uh, you know, the collective staff that, you know, followed under that and, and respected it. I mean, you could see it in every aspect of the game, uh, even from font choices. I mean, we're talking, it's just everything just, it feels exactly the way that it's supposed to. And only Ishiwatari knows if he's really nailed it 100%. But like, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with his potential 95% if that's what he, he feels, you know. Because um, it's always different when you're creating something. You know, people can say, oh, this is great. But in your head, you're like, oh, I saw it a little bit better. Uh, but this is, again, this was something that was just unheard of, you know, at that time. And it, it really, uh, you know, made its presence known. And you couldn't forget it. Um, yeah. You know, like like this game taught me a lot about, uh, well, I don't want to say it taught me, but it, it, it encouraged me to uh, explore uh, elements of graphic design that I didn't think to incorporate within my own oh, work. Really? Yeah. Um. Well, uh, I want. I was. I actually going to mention, uh, James. Like, a, uh, I think a lot of the the awesome typography you do from like Part Time Shuffle looks like a lot of influence comes from like the way that they do the stage intros. Um, yeah. Like, not to say that like, you pulled it from there, but like, it definitely the 
the influence there makes makes a lot of sense to me. I, I, I went to a few a few classes of that school. I mean, I, I <laughs> a few classes of that school. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I I snuck in a few uh, lectures, you know, but um, but the idea is that like this game, uh, you know, from a creative standpoint, it encourages you to embrace your uh, experiences and, and to embrace things that you have uh, visually absorbed, uh, you know, sonically absorbed. Uh, you know, because again, if if, if Ishiwatari wasn't given the the, the free reins to do this, this game would not have existed. Uh, given you know the experiences he's had in his life, and I think as a as a creative person, you know, when I saw X, um, it was a nudge toward me like really embracing uh, what I think is cool, or what I think is engaging, or what I think is uh, important uh, within design. Uh, because again, I mean, Alpha Three had a really beautiful design. Third Strike has a really clean, uh, you know, utilization of like fonts that are kind of outdated now, uh, and it still works to this day when you go back and look yeah. at it. Um, and yeah. it's like, you know, it's, it's worth noting uh, the typography here because we were we were talking a little bit about when uh, we were talking about things like Final Fantasy Tactics, and uh, so uh, I'm, I'm realizing we're talking about this now, but the the typography and the the variety of font choices that are used for different fields they really only show up in fighting games. Most other games like RPGs or action games they use like very simple typefaces, like usually just like a type of white text on top of a box. Um, you can tell in these games, especially in Guilty Gear and in like Street Fighter, that they went out of their way to have a large variety of pretty like opinionated typefaces like uh yeah <laughs> can, can you can you elaborate on that because i um yeah i i think some people uh, like now sometimes i hear from like you know people now they go to art school there's video game degrees i i think someone might look at an older game and and put on their thinking cap and be like oh there's too many font choices or this or that right like can you elaborate on on, on your thoughts on this? and by the way people like uh sean is one of the best graphic designers like in the entire world <laughs> like look up his resume he's, yeah he's, excellent. he's uh, no I, joke, I don't man. say that like no, oh thank please, you uh please i i guess i'll I'll, I'll yes I'll, I'll jump into that uh it's very nice of you to say um so what, what i mean is like so when you look at a uh a typeface generally right like it has uh, a certain kind of character it gives which is why people make fun of things like uh, papyrus or comic sans right like they have a certain feel to them that they lend to uh and so I would say that a non-opinionated typeface would be something like Helvetica, which is like if you have, if you've ever seen like an Apple product or used any web browser, you've seen the typeface, right? <laughs> oh, of um, course. It it's it's designed to be easy to read. Like actually, the guy uh, behind like things like uh, Univers and uh, Frutiger and Helvetica, like those designers, they were designed for like train stations and stuff like that. Like they're designed to be universal, easy to read. They're not opinionated. Okay. Whereas yeah. if you're looking at Guilty Gear with like the 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 typeface of like uh, let's rock. We're having like a super bold uh, impact style typeface, like what, uh, which actually I see a lot in in James' work, where it's modern, but it has like uh, things like the curves and the angles, like they they bring energy to them. They have a certain way they they feel. And if you look at like like I said, games of the time, like I, I, even one of my favorite games, like Xenogears, like the fonts are pretty blah. Like the the battle system uses like a kind of nice looking slanted. Uh, sans serif typeface it doesn't really make you feel like you're fighting a battle or whatever right. but it's readable and, and it probably didn't take up a lot of memory um <laughs> and, and we, as we started talking about things like tactics where they used a, a more handwritten typeface they put it in like actual comic looking bubbles so like those are really subtle things 
when you play fighting games like Third Strike or you play like Guilty Gear, um, we're talking about like massive in-your-face typefaces that have uh, they have angles, they have um, sweeping feels. Like so, like the like I said, the the Let's Rock, or uh, even the fact that when you enter a stage and it says "Are you ready?" it's in a circle, like yeah. animating around. Like they wanted to convey energy. Like when I say it's like opinionated, it's um, the way that I look at it is if you think about, uh, um, I use this term in UX a lot, like the cognitive load of when you look at something and you have to think about it and process it. And uh, opinionated typeface tends to communicate to you directly without you having to think about what you feel. So one of the reasons why uh, Comic Sans is actually a pretty popular typeface for goofy things is it was actually developed um, by a pretty excellent Microsoft typeface designer for a cartoon dog. To talk in a in an education software, and I know I'm, I'm going to pull this back around, but uh, the fact of the matter is, is that it looks a lot like a cartoon dog talking. Now people started using it for all sorts of cartoony things, um, and that's why it feels so weird when like a Fortune 500 company uses it to <laughs> say like don't go, don't use the printer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, like rolling it back to like, like Guilty Gear and like fighters of the time, like even uh, Third Strike and their menu designs and stuff. Like, you can actually feel their excitement because they're using typefaces that are not designed to be easy to read. They're they're not designed to communicate well in terms of, like, the reading them. They're not designed to be a menu. They're designed to get you hyped. <laughs> yes. They're designed to communicate the energy that this game is conveying to you. So yes. that's that's my mini spiel on what I mean, if, if I explained that well at all. Oh, no, you did, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, um... That goes against a lot of the uh, push for minimalism that uh, we've seen in games of the, the last few years, which, you know, there's a lot of perfectly fine uh, graphic designery looking games. But, um, man, I, I, I like I like uh, the word that the adjective you used, opinionated. I, I like opinionated fonts and uh, opinionated games. Well, so what's what's interesting and I'm going to I'm going to keep referencing uh, some of James design because I love his typography style. Oh man, thank uh, and, you. And uh, y'all, if y'all go look at uh, Part-Time Shuffle's posters and stuff, they're excellent. Uh, it isn't always just to have like an insane font. Like it's it's the way that you use it. Like the if you mm -hmm. like prioritize graphic um, graphic overlay or slight angles on it, like those are also things that give it personality. I think if you look at something like uh, when Gap redesigned their logo and people made a joke out of it, where you could go to a website and just type in any word because all they used was like fruitager on top of a blue box. To your point, I think people um, sometimes misunderstand the difference between like simplistic and simple, um, and I feel like the using uh, like more kind of modern typefaces can still be done and communicate well. It's just it's how you use color. It's whether like mm -hmm. when you like for instance when you overlay things on top of like large graphical numbers, it's actually more things like it recalls a a more stylistic sense or it recalls things like mobile suits. Like there's uh, you have to kind of think about the way that the, the kind of the recall that things give. Like, for instance, like large graphical numbers tend to recall military things because uh, early on, big numbers were used to print onto items and stuff like that to identify them. Uh, you see it in Final Fantasy with um, the Jehovah Test subjects. Like, you see it in in things like uh, Pacific Rim and like all over. But it's it's one of those things where you, it, as long as you can like look at the thoughtfulness behind why it's done, it doesn't mean that you have to have an insane graphical spike typeface that like no one can make any sense out of, but uh, right. you have to you have to kind of really be thoughtful around where you're putting it and why you put it in a certain place. So um, I feel like I'm starting to get more meta around typefaces now that I intended.
Guilty Gear does that though. I mean, <laughs> because when you when you look at the decisions that were made, uh, you know, throughout the series, but I mean specifically even in X, it's like, you know, the these fonts were were chosen to evoke a particular type of mood, uh, the same way that color is used to evoke a certain mood. And I think that, um, you know, when you have that type of, uh, you know, uh, opinionated sort of, you know, momentum, uh, you can't help but just really want the player to feel the right feelings. Uh, not that you're telling them necessarily specifically how to feel, but you're giving them a base to say, hey, this is an exciting thing that did happen. Uh we just want to further compliment it. I mean, even when you get like the destroyed, uh, you know, font that comes on that screen, there's nothing like that font in the game outside of that moment. Yeah. These, Um, these are probably like drawn fonts, right? It's not like they typed it out. Like somebody just, somebody created illustrations. Yeah. Well, it's actually uh, even something where if you look on the character select screen, every character, they don't quite have a logo, but they have a typeface. Um, that like uh, like for instance, I think most people are probably at least mentally familiar with Souls, where he, it says Soul bad guy and the A is red. Um, yes. Uh, yes. Or like. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, even in yeah. And Kai yeah, has Anji's, like a, a. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, to say Anji's is uh, you know written in 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 kanji. It's not even in in uh, Latin. Yeah, letters. and then like Kai's is blue, and and then the K and the K are are like highlighted white. Uh, against like a blue outline and stuff like that like so um there's a there's a, like a large variety of different ones i think um even the side characters uh that like as they they roll them out tend to get their own like like i said it's not quite a logo but they're really they are kind of logos but they went out of their way to do this for every single character um, so i think you, you could definitely see that that uh he understood the the power of type uh yeah i mean and, and again i mean these are things that you can't help but feel uh, a particular like personal experience with this in comparison to other games out at that time. Um, and it's like when to, to see things like this being used in like a fighting game where you're, you're, you're digesting so much visual information uh, where someone could easily argue like, well, well, why do I need to spend time doing this? Like, why do I need to, uh, you know, do this but it further accentuates the experience um it accentuates the narrative of the story and even the narrative independent independent narrative of every character um you know these are these are things that are, are are part of the experience and while a player may not express them all the time uh they remember them and 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 they may not be able to articulate it very well but they say hey i like playing this game a lot i don't know why but i just i really like going back to it it just makes me feel some type of way you know, like, it, that's just something that is part of the experience. And I think that, you know, Arxis has always been uh, incredibly good at being able to uh, consistently express that in different ways with different games. But, you know, Guilty Gear by far has its own uh, very pronounced, um, you know, visual language uh, across the board. And, and, and you can't help but, uh, you know, appreciate it. I mean... The Kai Kisuke, like, font, like, the font that they use for that, I mean, he uses, like, a lowercase e when everything else is capital, and it doesn't feel wrong. It just feels like this is just what they're expressing about this character. Uh, There's a lot of just, like, touches there where you're just like, man, like, 
you didn't even have to do that. Emphasizing the lowercase e, like that sort of emphasizes his youth <laughs> in yeah. a weird way, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, cause he, yeah. he he's genetically engineered. He's actually the age of a child, even though he's a full-grown man, mm-hmm. man and fully sapient. And then um, also uh, parallel soul bad guy also has one letter emphasized, right? And what is it? The A? It's the A, I believe. And it's it's the capital A, right? Yes. And it's red, right? And it's red. Isn't it funny how that ties into their rivalry and like, you know, this dude is a type in your face full <laughs> color. And Kai's got like a little like, oh, why is that? Why does he have a little E? Uh, yeah. Man, this is the fact that we can talk about it like this. It's um this is what people mean when they say something has soul. Like it's not just total fluff. Uh soul you know, in a video game or a movie or a comic, it's the result of being really thoughtful, you know, about every little aspect of it, every aspect that you care about, right? Yeah. And, if, you know, if you care about stuff, you, you'll find stuff to be interested in, like, all uh, throughout. Something I wanted to add, what you said about, like, thoughtful, I think this is the kind of thing that um, perhaps, like, the average person may not pick up in games, but I always try to look at, uh, even in stuff like in Guilty Gear, where the like the countdown numbers for the round, they have like a fire gradient inside of them. It's, it's oh, one yeah. of those things where it's thoughtful because if you think about these designers and and uh, engineers that are working on this game, everything that they have to put in this game is a lot of work. Like, oh yeah, like you you don't like none, you don't stumble into these things when you make a, a game. <laughs> like you have no. to go out of your way to do these things and uh, painstakingly create it. So whenever like it's one of those things where. Hopefully you can kind of step back and be like, okay, they spent extra time to do it this way. They didn't have to make these fonts or these numbers. They could have just put white text in there with a default font. They could have just had a a, a font that every single character, it just said their name. But uh, not only did they they go out of their way to give them like logos and stuff, but they wanted it to kind of communicate to you along with the portrait, who the character is. There's all, one of my favorite ones is also Zato ones. Like he's got like this kind of like, uh, like flare pose and it, the, the font is like got kind of a uh, like a minstrel feel to it uh, in terms of like its italics uh, and it, it 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 looks so him it, it immediately kind of conveys uh, mm-hmm. along with the pose who the character is before you even select them yeah I, I i guys i just noticed something um i have been watching videos of the game as we talk you, you remember the destroy screen in in x specifically yes it, there's like this weird spider shape spider, behind it. Yeah. Yeah, but I think it actually is a spider crab. <laughs> like I think at first it's like, oh, you know, this like kind of gothy, you know, spiders, spooky. But then it's like it also looks like a delicious, delicious spider, spider crab. crab. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know, just there's a festive feeling to it. It's funny you you mentioned that because I actually had like you know uh, videos of guilty gear x planet playing through and i i did kind of stare at like that logo i was like wait a minute so there's something specific like specific about this like spider shape and i couldn't put my put my finger on it but like now 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 it's unseeable yeah you're right i can't now, see now you're right it is. like now it's <laughs> now it's now it's unseeable which i'm perfectly okay with like it's it's great like um you know, it's it, like I said. I mean, it, this game has there's so much, uh, you know, here that is so just confidently uh, achieved, and you know, it took so much work for for all of these things to work together well. Because I mean, yeah, like having all these things separately is like, oh, that's cool, that's great. But to see them 
you know, work themselves out in, in like this, like, you know, nonstop play, you know, that's being broadcast on like a digital stage for the gamer or the player. It's like, it's, it's such a beautiful thing for it to always work for there to be no inconsistencies or something that you run into where you're like, Oh, that's kind of weird. I mean, I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, King of Fighters had this problem with uh, 13, actually, in 12, when they were in beta form. Uh, all the art for the character portraits is super great. Beautiful art. It was amazing. Yeah. But, you know, they're all individual illustrations. And when the characters, like, you have a three-character team. So when you win, all three of your characters' character art shows together with the person that you won with in the middle. Well, there were a lot of problems with that because there were certain tangents that would happen uh, characters' heads would be completely covered up. They would make unusual mm. shape, shapes that were, you know, unintentional. And it's like, and this is coming from King of Fighters 13, which is like the best SNK game that they could have made, you know. And it's like even they run into those mistakes. But with Guilty Gear, you never really ran into those, whether it was a 2D game or a 3D game. Uh, there's so much thought that goes into the, the presentation. Uh, and for someone like me, uh, you know, that's extremely important is for uh, you know full immersion. Uh, when it comes to anything, uh, whether it's animation, whether it's a show, whether it's, you know, and I'm not, it's not to say that sometimes a story can't um, overcome that because it can, but I think that when someone takes the thoughtful consideration to make sure that, uh, you know, things work very well, I mean, something as subtle and as simple as uh, the character cards after the game says good luck, right? You got horizontal orientation, right? And it all converges into the, the focal point of the middle of the screen is like a white line, right? And then that cuts into a horizontal line that two horizontal lines that are like super thick, right? And then you've got these, it, it expands, right? And it goes from it, like the white and black and it inverts. And now you have a letterbox like orientation, like dual letterbox orientation, right? And the lines are not even straight. Like they're kind of like, they have like these, these little textured, like little, uh, I guess, edges to them, right? And then you've got these really thin sepia tone cards, right? And then you've got black on top of that, but then you got white outline in specific areas, and you have white outlines at the bottom of each that come in to actually straighten out the lines. Like those, we're talking about lines, man. Like just base, it's like outlines, like basic shit. But in terms of how it's articulated, it gives you a very specific feel, and there's no like specific issues with the art that's being shown. Everything is showing itself the way that it needs to, but you can take something so simple and make something so intricate. Um, and this game does that very well. Uh, like to me, like things like this mean a lot because again, like there's times where guilty gear does very super complicated things, but then there's certain times where it'll literally use something very simple, uh, and create an experience in terms of like where your eyes are being drawn. Like someone had to storyboard that, that that the title card screen because there's so much that's happening in it, but it's done in a very simple way. I, a question for for Sean: um, Do you know much about like the history of motion graphics, like particularly like digital motion graphics? Like I wonder if um, sort of the the shifts in UI in in games and particularly Guilty Gear, if that reflected uh, anything uh, about what was going on in in just motion graphics in general, like. So I, I, mean, I think I this sort of software was just starting to become commercially available. You know, people uh, were getting. I don't, it, like, I don't, I don't think I know a, a whole ton deeply about motion graphics, other than I can say that most motion graphics have their basis in broadcasting. Um, mm. 
Like they were definitely not, most of the technology that's developed for it was not developed for games. It's developed for film and specifically um, commercials. Like the news, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, cases cases where where you needed to you needed gra- graphics to catch people's attention and you needed it to update on the screen uh, constantly, either because the the information was updating or because of the the frame rate refresh or something like that. So. Um, I don't know. I think it, it, it comes actually more from their animation or their anime roots, right? Where mm-hmm. um, you, you storyboard out those things. Like you're, you're telling a story, you're, you're building up a feeling. So I, I don't know. I think especially for a game of this time, doing all these things almost certainly would have had to have been done uh, using like a bunch of brute force tactics, like rendering out every frame of it. Um, I remember, I, f- I forget which one it was. I think it was one of the Greg Hastings games I was working on. But I remember working on the menu and the way that they had done it was the menu was actually, it was 2D, but it was actually in a 3D space uh, because there was a limitation where they had to they had to basically like launch and instantiate the engine immediately in order for it to get put into the memory properly. So like we literally had a thing where it was a box with an image on it. And so animating on top of it, even then, this was like PlayStation 2 era, um, was pretty difficult. Like, it, I don't know if you realize how much work had to go into uh, not just putting these graphics into the system and having them be transparent, but also having them uh, animate and overlap on top of each other. Um, I would imagine that it was actually pretty cumbersome. Um, I would I would, I would, bet that they hand drew a lot of the, the storyboards and the animations. They probably didn't have any fancy motion graphics software. Okay. Because okay. like motion graphics software has made advancements pretty heavily in the last few years, but even now, uh, the amount of like rendering and computation it takes to do advanced motion graphics means that you have to have like an insane computer to do it. Like you know, you guys you guys remember from school we had to use like render farms and stuff to do that. Yeah. Kind of. mm-hmm. So I think the only way that you get what you have in Guilty Year is someone that had a very clear vision and, and cared enough to kind of brute force build every frame that they needed in order to get it. Uh, into the engine in the way that it would work. Yeah, they must have coded it because it wasn't like they they could just go straight from After Effects to you know the Naomi board. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> correct. Well, like, well, one thing I even noticed, like this is how insane the detail is. Like, did you guys uh, notice that uh, May has a different destroyed text? Yes. Than else? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I I wonder if it's because they felt like the the normal destroyed just wasn't appropriate for how like sunny and fun she is. But even yeah. if you look at that, it's like for everyone that hasn't seen it, it's like uh, a bunch of different colorful kind of hand-drawn looking letters with like a hand-drawn dolphin. Yeah, she, I do remember. Yeah, like it's dolphin. like a nursery font. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, it doesn't just pop up. The individual circles animate down and then form the destroyed text, which mm-hmm. almost certainly, like what you said, Richmond, almost certainly was done programmatically. Um, yeah. They probably had to, to do each value from the top of the screen down to actually moving that text on the screen. So I imagine that they would have had to really carefully storyboard everything out because that's probably how they did all of the animation. Mm. Okay. Which makes a lot of sense because, I mean, when you're working with something like this, like, you know, they had to think, well, what's what's the way that we know how to do it? Like, <laughs> you know, and it's just like, okay, well, we'll just animate it. Um, yeah. You know, sometimes I, that's the other thing that I always think is really interesting, uh, especially in this era of games, and even before that slightly, uh, you know, I mean, Streets Rage 4, you know, came out today. I don't mean to date the podcast. I hope that doesn't no problem. But uh, yeah, it's all good. It's it's one of those things where um, it makes you think, think back to uh, Koshiro-san's work in like Streets of Rage 1, 2, and 3. Um, 
Sega Genesis did not have the best sound cards. Uh, it was actually pretty bad. Um, a lot of people talk about that in comparison to Super Nintendo. And um, But having those limited resources, you know, Coaster Dosan was able to create music that was uh, the heartbeat of the current generation. Um, and no one questioned the quality or integrity of it. Uh, and he's working with limited resources. But he still had to brute force his vision, you know? So it's like... Uh, sometimes I think uh, some of the beauty that comes from these games in this era was that there was no set way to do things. They just had to be done. And I think uh, sometimes having that sort of tenacity uh, behind something so simple can create results that you didn't think were possible. Uh, this also plays into to the fact that Guilty Gear Strive and even Exerd looks the way that it does. is because... You know, I mean, Motomura said it himself. It's oh, like perfect yeah. math wasn't good enough for us. We had yeah. to make our own. Um, and I think sometimes just having that type of vision. And I mean, again, I mean, I'm a creative myself. I have my own uh, independent, you know, self-published you know, published thing. So obviously these things resonate with me. But I think that it's important, uh, you know, as developers across any sort of spectrum within visual entertainment that, you know, sometimes it's not about having a linear way to do something. It's just having the tenacity and the talent and the resources to say, hey, we can figure this out. Um, you know, and I think Guilty Gear represents that a lot. <laughs> it's like, just figure it out. Just, just do it. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah. Well, and, and there's, uh, I, I will say, like, there's also stuff in Guilty Gear that I, I have no idea how they did still. Uh like, like realistically with the kind of hardware they were working on, like with Dreamcast, like, uh, do you'll notice on like, uh, someone like Amelia's stage, the, the, there's like water in the background that you, you fight on top of and it's got caustics. Like it actually, you can actually see the water move and Is distort this in the D X or, um, in X, in X. Yeah. Okay. Cause I'm, I'm uh, actually looking this up right now. And it's, it's I... like one of the, like there's a couple of those details where, um, I've like the reason I, I bring that up specifically is like the way that I've like if everyone isn't uh, aware, caustics is the term for like if you're ever looking at a, a swimming pool and it's distorting the details below it. Um, that's usually what what it's done is you use like an After Effects or Premiere. You use caustic generators because it's such a it's such a complex looking randomized shape. Uh, yeah. They managed to communicate this this type of effect in the background of a stage on like Dreamcast era hardware. And it's one of the things yeah. I look at it like, like so the part of me that 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 um used to work on textures thinks someone was just talented enough that they were able to draw every frame of that and uh, calculate in their mind and create something that looked like water caustics, um and be able to get it in so few frames that it could stay in memory in the back of a stage, which also has things like a boat floating up and down, and you know it's got other animated details. I think the plants animate as well very slowly. Uh, they do, they do, they do have they do have frames of animation. Um, yeah, caustic effects are no joke, man. And I have never had to animate them, but I've had to create them. Um, and they they're they're no jokes. So so for someone to uh, create them, uh, you know, in terms of animation, to find a way to make that work, especially during Dreamcast era, is that's 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 an astonishing feat, um, like, and that's a very subtle thing that most people probably may not even see. But the fact that it had to be done, I mean, it just goes back to, you know, really fulfilling someone's vision, um, and things like that are, they're important, you know, to a creative. Uh, they just, you can't 
it's like especially for someone like Ishiwatari, he's like no like I mean, these, these, this has to be done. And I feel like that was a sentiment across the board and everybody understood that and they embraced the challenge of it, which I'm grateful for. Um, you know, I, this game, it represents so many different things. And I think that, uh, you know, even, even with Strive being as great as it is, even you, you can look back on X and still say like, man, you guys came a long way, but you were strong even then within your like evolution like you were incredibly strong as a team um because this 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 game still has a lot of beautiful things in it um like to this day like i i I legit think that anybody who's into uh you know this type of thing or you know animation or appreciation of animation like buy a collection man just just to have um because things like this don't get created anymore well not anymore but it's very rare uh that that this type of thing is done and there's there's a lot of beauty in it, even to this day. I mean, it's 2020, but these games still look beautiful. They still look fresh. Um, I want to I want to mention one more insane one. Um, so uh, on May's stage, which is again on top of her ship, there is like you got things like the propellers of the airship in the background, but there's also yep. stuff like part of the stage um, has got like um, a windshield that you're fighting on top of, and you can actually see the reflections of the clouds going by in it. Like, oh, what an unnecessary detail. <laughs> why yeah. would someone do Why would you spend time to get that to like, <laughs> into the background of the stage? And it's like, there's so much already going on on that stage. Uh, and, it, and, it's, it, and it looks like it's simple stuff, but it's like, no, like, these are very intricate, like, specific, uh, you know, moving pieces, so to speak. And it's, for someone to go, wait, but we still got to do this. It's like... That's 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 nothing but respect comes from me for stuff like that. Like, you know, like you want to talk about immersion. Like I said, Arxis, when it comes to immersion, they were just like, hold hold, hold my beer. Like we we <laughs> we got you. Like we're we're gonna, you know, take care of these things. Uh, and and it's, I mean, when 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 Strive actually comes out, I mean, I'll be able to talk a lot more about other things. I mean, I only can talk about the beta, but you know, like I said, when we get to that, like there's a lot of visual splendor going on that is just just it's it's insane <laughs> like oh, yeah, uh, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that yeah but but for x though it 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 has a special place uh in my heart um there's there's so much love that went into this game and uh you can't help but like appreciate it on on so many different levels uh like to this day, I don't think there's a character like Johnny in a fighting game. Uh, I I mean, it's it, like just the combination of elements that work so well. Um, you know, even Faust. You know, going from Bolthead to Faust is a specific oh, yeah, type they of ramp things up. Yeah, it's a, a specific type of evolution uh, of a character, and to be able to create this idea that you can feel so many different things without words being communicated to you uh it's a it's a testament to like not just good character design but evolution of good character design um but bald head is is unsettling in the first guilty gear but he is they really like turned it up to 11 with how he moves like he's just a, he's he, he reminds you actually a lot of playing against like necro like he's pretty unsettling character to play against but not because the character yeah. is anything that they did other than like the way that they move just like there's something that triggers you a little bit but it's a testament to how well they communicated how insane the character is. 
Yeah, it's like he, it's like he's he's commanding a message, like without saying anything. And I mean, that's been uh, an element of his design since the beginning. But like, you know, like I was saying before, Faust to me is, is he's even more scary because he's more inviting in uh, later uh, iterations after Guilty Gear. Like in X, it's like he looks like you know a nice guy with a paper bag over his head, but it's like, there's something about the, the welcomingness of, of the suit that where you, you say, well, well, this guy knows what he's doing. You know, like, there, there's this, actually a character version of him where he's wearing like scrubs with the back bag over his head. And it, uh, you feel a lot of things yeah. You're like, Oh, he looks like a helpful doctor, but also he doesn't look like a helpful doctor. Right. It's like, like you have these debates in your brain and it's like, you imagine someone that tall kind of walking towards you. It's like, you know, your decision time is waning, but you're just like, I don't know what to expect, but you kind of know in the back of your head, like, I'm probably going to die. Like, it's like, like, like to be able to feel these things from just a character walking toward you, because I think you could go down the list of every single Guilty Gear character and, and, and have particular thoughts if they're walking toward you, what to expect. And some of them are sheer terror. Some of them are, oh, maybe we'll get a hug, you know? And some of them are just like, oh my god, you are the devil. Like, I there's like there's so many different things without them actually saying anything. And I think that that's a testament to uh, to design uh, and and to all of the the tireless work that uh, you know went into you know X. And I, it's like just looking at this game, like looking at high res videos of it now. It's just like, yeah, this game still it still stacks up. It's still uh, very visually confident, still very clean, still very, uh, you know, just very much Guilty Gear. Not even Arxis, but just Guilty Gear. <laughs> like, there's a very, very specific type of language this game speaks. Uh, and and it's it's beautiful. Uh, like, even to this day, like, looking at this game, like, wow, like, this game still looks incredibly beautiful. Um, and it's, and I may have said this before, but, you know, Arxis, the only person that they're fighting against is themselves, and it's kind of beautiful to watch. Like they're not they're not worried about anybody else. They're just they're just trying to beat themselves, and they keep winning. <laughs> like like they keep winning. So it's it's uh it's really cool to just you know see this like like I know I mentioned Johnny earlier, but it's just like look at this character, man. Like there's no no character has existed like this before Johnny. None. Like, it's such an interesting combination of things that, like, again, it just, it works together. It's like, a, I don't know, uh, I mean, I know some people don't like pineapple on pizza, but it's like, when you think about it, it's like seeing pineapple on pizza actually work. That's Johnny's design. Like, it's... I think you need to leave pineapple on pizza out of this, sir. Uh, <laughs> that is one of my favorite combinations with barbecue sauce. Well, I mean, but hey, I mean, that's the thing. Like, obviously it works, right? Like there's someone out there that has to like it for it to have been a thing, right? So it's just <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know... That's a, it, that's a beautiful thing about fighting games. You only need to like one character to, to be drawn into it. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I could take... It's like, I could take any character from, like, that I liked in, like, any fighting game, and it's literally, like, there's a particular experience that comes with that, and it, you just kind of grasp toward it, and it's just like, it keeps you... Uh, I mean... Like with King of Fighters, you know, 13 specifically, um, I love Kyo. Like, Kyo is just like, there's so many things about Kyo in terms of like fighting style, just flamboyance and all this stuff. Like, yeah, man, I love this character. But when I look at Mature, 
in King of Fighters 13, like, there's... Her design was so strong to me that I played that character better than I thought I was for a character that was not necessarily supposed to be, like, top tier. Like, people were just like, damn, yo, your mature is really good, man. Like, you probably should have played tournaments with her for a while because I think you probably would have won because you, I can tell you really like this character. Um, and sometimes a design can really pull somebody so much so that the experience that they have with that character is a lot stronger. Um, and I feel like with Guilty Gear, you have those choices where you can have this like optimal experience with just a larger than life character or an unusual character that you normally wouldn't have with like, um, like another fighting game. Uh, it's, it's, they're, uh, they're, uh, opinionated characters. Yes. <laughs> You're going to feel something when you see them. <laughs> that, that's like, so true. Um, can you elaborate a little bit on like, what is it about Johnny that stuck with you? Like what, you know, first impression and oh, like, what, what kept you going? It's, it's like when you, when you look at Johnny, right. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, you see this, like he reminds me of like old ads from like the 1980s and like late 90s like like bvds or like stetson right like this is like he is sweaty man man like you are cool (laughs) and you know and then but then he's got this trench coat and he's got this western feel on top of it right so you're like wait a minute okay so now it's like maybe you could be like in a van halen video or something i don't know but then he's got this you know very eastern styled sword and it's like wait a minute like who are you like what are you like what do you represent and you hear him talk and he's got like one of the best like japanese like seiyus and it's just like you're a completely different experience than i've ever really received before but you're a combination of things that are interesting when they're apart but they're to get when when they're together it's a specific type of casserole in terms of design that you can't help but be just (laughs) intrigued by so you're just like i didn't know these things could fit in a casserole so well i didn't know like you know that's a very particular type of ricotta cheese with this meat that never you know it's it's like it's a very like specific experience where you're just like, it's Johnny. It's not even like, oh, this is this type of character. This is Johnny, you know? There's no archetype that he's following. He's just Johnny. He's and, just Johnny. Uh, but it, it works. It fits. He, he's like some sort of like air pirate, right? So he's just like yeah. a man of the world, like a free spirit. He's just going to wear, you know, whatever the hell he wants. He's just thrown together his favorite thing. So that's Johnny, right? And let's, not, and let's talk about... Yeah. And let's talk about the fact of who voices this guy, because he's literally my favorite voice actor. And he also voiced in Bison in Street Fighter games. Nice. So nice. it's like when Whoa, you have Norio Wakamoto, <laughs> yeah, when you have Norio Wakamoto voicing your character, that's already a separate experience. Not even counting the tireless work that's in Guilty Gear itself. Yeah. Oh, but just like, real quick for the, for the listeners, just give some context to uh, Norio Wakamoto. Like, what are some famous roles that people would recognize him from? Oh. Oh, man, so he's so, been M. Bison in Street Fighter games. I would say specifically Capcom versus SNK was when it started, where Noyo Wakamoto was used. Um, he's also been various voice actors. He's done voice acting roles in uh, you know various anime. Uh, he's he's kind of like an elderly sort of uh, you know character that has a certain I guess like confidence with him, where it's like. Mm-hmm. 
he's youthful, but you know he's an aged man kind of thing. So, yeah. like, he usually plays a villain. He usually plays, like, you know, someone that is kind of, like, cool, calm, and collected. But oftentimes, he'll also be a character that you don't expect. Uh, you know, like, uh, God, what's the name of that freaking uh, series? He was playing, like, a little, like, it was like a yellow, like, little animal creature. I cannot think of the name of it. But, uh, you know, it, it's like he, he has a particular voice that is uh, very commanding um without being intrusive and there's a certain type of strength that comes from it i mean this guy's been in like guyver uh he was oswald voice in guyver he was uh aj sebastian in Appleseed. he was roger in black magic m66 um austin ojo like he he has a very uh, particular type of command with his voice and yeah. you know when you you have a design like johnny right like who else would uh he was Tyson in, in, in Giant Robo. Um, Dude, he was he was Cell. <laughs> yeah, he was, yeah, he was uh, Cell. Perfect, wow, wow. Perfect <laughs> wow. Being. Yeah. yeah, you know, he was also vicious in Cowboy Bebop. I mean, yeah, these such are range. yeah, like you know, he um he was a, he was a, a Shirada in um, Sergeant Frog. Actually, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, so it's you know you, you have somebody that's like super talented. Like like he looked at that character and he already knew he didn't have to think about it. He's like, okay, I know what to do. Like, yeah, I got this. Like, you know, I, I, you know, so it's like when you have that kind of, um, you know, uh, like aura that you bring to a character that already has something that's very, like extremely different, like, and then for it to match, it just, the experience, like, I started to play John. I was, I was literally going to take Johnny seriously the first time I heard Johnny's voice. Like, I literally was just like, and people were like, oh, man, he's got this mistrap. He's so cool. Yeah, man, he's, like, top tier. And in the back of my head, I'm like, but he's cool, though. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he's cool. I don't give a shit about, like, you know, I learned, like, some mistraps Dude, and stuff with him. that's what it's about. Yeah. But, yeah, at the, end, at the end of the day, it's when you're at that character celestial and there's so much information that's being thrown at you. And it's like, you're picking, it's almost like. I don't know if this is like a correct analogy, but it's almost like, you know, you're picking fruit in the grocery store, you know, and you're just looking like, okay, is this the one that I want? Is this like a cantaloupe? Like, does it feel right? Does it? And it's like, when you get the one that feels right and it's in your hand, it it's already in your hand. You've already picked it before you picked it. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I think with a character like Johnny, if, if, you know, someone's gravitating toward him, like, it's just like, it's like an instant thing. It does, nothing else matters. You know, that's what it's it, all about. It, it, yeah, it's like nothing else matters. It doesn't matter about some review that some guy wrote in Williamsburg about it. You're just like, no, this is the cantaloupe I want because this fits for me. <laughs> like, and you just grab it and that's it, you know? That's like, my you know, cantaloupe. That's... Yeah, that's my cantaloupe. That's it. <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, but yeah, man, um, like I said, I, I, I don't know if we want to, you know, end it here before we move any further. Yeah, I mean, if, if any, yeah. Any, uh, any last words? Any Anything anyone want to say about Guilty Gear or X? Um, I mean, I feel like it's, it, this is, uh, it's a further evolution of like a very, str- an incredibly strong team. Um, and people who, whose voice also evolved as the game evolved. Um, because it equally grew up on you know a visual level but also like a a competitive level and i think that um again it's like the the evolution from guilty gear to x was uh it it was a catalyst for what else was to come which was uh 
even more intricate game than people expected. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Um, and there's a lot under that hood, and it's great. And it also is visually like even better than uh, you know X. Although it's kind of within the same vein, there's like subtle changes that were big when it came to the visual aspect of it. Uh, so you know, it just gets better, honestly, as as the iterations go on. Uh, I mean, that's all I can really say. It's like. <laughs> It's 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 the best aesthetic training you could ever be a part of. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 worth noting. I mean, we we've gone on so much about this game. This is only the second uh, Guilty Gear game. The first one, uh, you know, it was a PS1 game. It wasn't even an arcade game. They probably had no idea it would become a franchise that would last, you know, over two decades and still be going strong. Like so, um, Guilty Gear X is the first foray into this being a franchise. They knew they were onto something, and uh, I think they've. I mean, the first game was definitely a statement. Like, if if it stopped there, it, it, for me, it would still be a legendary game. I'm sure they put everything they wanted to into that one, but my God, like they still had so much left to put into the sequels. And um, yeah, the the second one really is where it starts as a franchise. Like uh, and and uh, you know also the first arcade entry, so I think the gameplay uh, got got significantly deeper uh, starting with X as well. Yeah, this is yes. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll say it's still it's still like I mentioned before it's still one of my one of my favorites. Uh, not that the, not that the uh, later Guilty Gear games don't get awesome, but like for me this was a pretty pretty much but basically this was a jump into the ramp the ramp up to what D- Guilty Gear became. Like for me, this is still kind of the quintessential experience in a lot of ways. Uh, although I really liked X2 as well, so we can talk about that later. But um, I don't know. There's something about the aesthetic that like still works really well for me. Like uh, I, I get this game and I, I look at it and I was like, oh, if someone's going to remaster this, would it really look much better? Uh, like I think it it's one of those ones where because it's so stylish and because it's uh, it's so thoughtful, nothing really. Uh, Nothing really like ages too much. It's still a pretty modern feeling game if you look at it again, uh, especially if you're able to find like a you know a video or a version of it that is that is not like a video. It's crisp. You can actually see the the way the game actually looks. Um, it's it's uh, it was I think it was pretty ahead of its time to be honest with you, but yeah, one of my favorites. Yes. All right. Um, cool. Okay, I think we can uh, wrap things up here. Um, yeah, thanks, thanks for joining us uh, today, uh, oh, yeah, Sean, James. Uh, always a pleasure to have you on. And uh, to our listeners, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for choosing to spend some of your day with us. Um, yeah, uh, please, if you haven't already, follow us on Twitter at uh, Art Art Eater Podcast. Um, and uh, also, please give uh, James a, a follow. Uh, James is not just a fighting game expert. He's also an excellent artist and storyteller in his own right. Uh, please follow him on Twitter at Beefy Kunoichi. That's uh, B-E-E-F-Y uh, underscore? Yeah. Right? yeah. Underscore K-U-N-O-I-C-H-I. Beefy Kunoichi. Uh, yeah, please check out his comics. Um 
Yeah, and uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, I hope everyone out there uh, stays safe and uh, check in again next time as we continue uh, our dis deep dives, deep, deep dives <laughs> into the minutia of uh, Guilty Gear. <laughs> and, and eventually we will we will get to uh, strive. We'll, we, it'll be substantial. <laughs> We're working our way up there. Yeah. It may be when the game actually comes out, but we'll get there. Yeah, yeah. Just can you believe we thought before, like during the first podcast we were like, oh, we should, we can just cover all of them, right? We we'll, we'll start with them <laughs> and then we'll come our way off, and it's like, oh no, <laughs> oh man, it's because it's, it's been so an hour much. just talking about the UI. Yeah, yeah, it's so much, man. Like you know, every iteration of uh, the game, it it's like it it brings so much to it, you know, and it's like. If you're a casual player, there's certain things you get, and then like if you're like someone who appreciates art, you're gonna get it, and then you're, if you're someone who really hits the buttons with these games and plays, it's like there's so much where you're just like, oh my god, like this is a completely different experience, and either you hate it or you love it. It's it is always something so new and fresh with each iteration, where it's almost kind of it's kind of it kind of reminds me of uh, a more pronounced version of what happened with Street Fighter Two. Um, oh yeah. You know, where you had, um, you know, Champion Edition, you had Hyper Fight, and all these. And these all, like, were very specifically different experiences under the hood. Um, yeah. Visually, there were only so many things you could do with CPS1 hardware and CPS2 hardware. So, like, you know, the, 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 the color direction on, like, Guile's, like, you know, evening sky may be dusk with, like, magenta or purple as opposed to, like, a sunny day or... You know, but when it came to the gameplay aspects, you know, those were like the, the pivotal uh, differences. And that's not always going to be seen by the common person. But with Guilty Gear, uh, there's a lot to see. There's a lot to, to grasp, even on like an initial, like superficial level. Um, you know, whereas with Street Fighter 2, it was just like, okay, well, uh, reuse Fireball is faster in this game or Ryu has uh an overhead or he can link this combo or whatever these aren't things that are readily like seen or are known of so it's different but with guilty gear it was like every iteration was a new experience um and man did the games change oh well did the games change uh a lot of divisiveness so yeah well, um, let's let's get into that. <laughs> Please tune tune in next week. I think we'll we'll probably we've covered a lot about the art. I think we'll get deeper into the uh, the gameplay changes in in the series. And and of course, still cover the art. Always, oh, yeah. always of the course. art. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yep. Always gotta right. eat the art. Okay. Yes. Eat that art. All right. Thanks, folks. Have a nice day. Bye.